Hello. Welcome back to the Break the Mold podcast. My name is Tim Roberts. I'm your host for this series of podcasts and the author of Break the Mold. Uh, thank you for coming back for more. Episode two. So I'm going to introduce our next guest for you in a moment. Uh, I hope you've had a chance so far to listen to both my introduction to this season of podcasts and of course to episode one with a wonderful Andrew Stotterbrooks. Um, if not, go back and check them out. Uh, if so, I'm really happy that you've then come back for season two. Thank you if you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, I hope you got a lot from episode one. Episode two has the same and more to offer you. My guest for episode two is Gary Turner, who is an international product manager. Now, I would suggest the most important thing about Gary is he role models and has done what we all talk about doing. And he has changed the way he thinks. He's evolved his attitudes and behaviours so that he has been able to achieve a higher level of performance and a higher level of satisfaction and engagement in the same job that he's been doing for many years. Now that to me is quite unique. So me included and many others, we, we seek that joy or we seek that change by going into other roles. What Gary's done is made sure that it always started with him and he's really gone back to learn the lessons from his experience and is truly his true authentic self in everything that he does. And he talks about that in his interview. You know, he talks about how he's very much now a disruptor, a, a catalyst of innovation. He very much works at that intersection of people and culture. So his role is focused on international sales, yet what Gary's done is really turned that focus to people and culture, and he's our role model in his organisation. Uh, not only is he successful in his role, he also helps individuals and teams within that role so that they can overcome that complexity they can embrace their vulnerability and really build that community around them so that they can help themselves to achieve what they want to achieve in their roles and um, in Gary's interview some of the things that I'd encourage you to listen out for is definitely his own personal stories that he tells he's very very honest he opens up about his vulnerability how he's turned that into I think it's better to say a superpower for himself and how he's been brave in his organization and said no this is how I'm going to do things. I believe in being honest. I believe in being authentic. I believe in challenging people and creating the right culture and environments for people to be their best so that they can get the most out of themselves and their roles. Uh, Gary has a real passion for, and this definitely shows up, and I'd really encourage you to listen out for this in the interview because you're, you're about to have an interview with a real role model of this. He's really passionate about showing up and just being unashamedly you. No bullshit. No contrived, let's bring our whole selves to work. Just be you, just unashamedly be yourself. He describes his journey brilliantly, particularly in terms of the shift that he's made from wearing the work masks. And he talks very openly about what some of those masks are in international sales and perhaps what he expected to do and what he did previously and how he's then shifted away from that and dropped those masks. And he's now his true, authentic self. Um, to me, Gary, what he talks about in here uh, that I'd really encourage you to listen out for, and there's no pun intended with this, because what I want you to really listen out for is when Gary talks about organisational silence. And I think this is important because we often talk about the signs that things aren't working well or, you know, really listen to this or pay attention to when people say this. What Gary challenges us to think about is actually what's the silence that's in your organisation that you really need to pay attention to and what you need to challenge and call out. Uh, Gary shares a great example in this about how you can create the environment that you want for you and your team. So I'd really, really listen out for that. You know, look, if you're one of these people who listens to podcasts and makes notes or email yourself or you know, makes notes on your phone, Gary, that example he shares about creating that environment, what you want for you and your team is something to really, really listen out for. Think about how you can learn from that to create the environment that you want for you and your team in your organisation. Uh, there's a great quote that Gary uh, shares, and I'm sure uh, myself and others will be using this in the future, about change is an inside job. So listen out for when he talks about that and challenges our perception of change and how actually it has to start internally first uh, it encourages you to think about what you should be saying no to and also what you need to give yourself permission for so by the end of this podcast and i'm going to come back with the outro and ask you something about this i want you to be thinking about what you need to give yourself permission to do
Uh, Gary, I, I believe articulates wonderfully the moulds that people fit into. And in particular, what he goes beyond those moulds with is highlighting the behaviour patterns that come with them. Talking about his own behaviour patterns when he's been fitting the mould and gives examples of how you can raise your awareness of your behaviour patterns and those people around you and how to pick up on those and start to identify where people are fitting the mould and not being themselves. Uh, and the final bit I'd encourage you to listen out for in Gary's interview is he talks a lot, he uses the word conditioning quite a lot, which I think is a great way to describe us fitting the mould and wearing these masks. And one of the things that listening to this podcast will help you to do is to be more aware of what what is conditioning you what in the culture and environment particularly where you work and maybe even in your lives that contributes to how you're being conditioned to fit the mold to wear those masks to take yourself away from being who you truly are so enjoy this interview with gary i'll be back at the end with some coaching questions and to summarize some of the key points so enjoy listening to Gary. And like I said there, some of the key points to really think about is during this interview, keep going back to raising your self-awareness. Keep going back to thinking about what Gary shares with us here, particularly his own journey, how that relates to you, what are the key lessons you can learn from listening to Gary. So sit back, lie down, get on a running machine, go for a jog, drive a car, whatever you do when you listen to your podcast. Most importantly, enjoy this interview with the brilliant Gary Turner. Hello, Gary Turner. Welcome to the Break the Mould podcast. So this is the way we start every episode, where it's the bit where we pretend that we haven't just been talking for five or ten minutes. And for the audience's purpose, how are you, mate? It's great to see you. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me on, Tim. It's been a long time since we chatted. So to be honest, I'm just super excited and curious where we go today, to be honest. Ace, yeah. I think we first met, was it like 2019? Must be, it? I think it's earlier. I think it could even have been earlier, Tim. Seriously. I think it could have been yes. as far back as 17, I think. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, everybody says it, but where the hell yeah. has that time gone? <laughs> Brilliant stuff. So we've avoided talking about the weather yeah. and not doing that British stuff. <laughs> so we'll get straight stuck straight into the good stuff then, my mate. So... Gary, the question I start every one of these interviews with, uh, what does being your true, authentic self mean to you? Yeah, so it's a cracking question, Tim, because for me, what it means is showing up unashamedly you, warts and all. So that means embracing your fears. It means embracing the things that you love. It means embracing the mistakes that you've made. It means allowing your whole experience of life to you know to come to the fore right nothing is pushed away nothing is decided to be bad or good it's just experience and I think that for me is what living authentically means is really allowing every experience to come through you and to learn from every single experience that to me is what being authentic means lovely stuff Karen. I just want to pick up on a word you said about being unashamedly you um, because it's it's a great way of putting it, and it's something, as soon as you said it, that I really kind of resonated with me, and I'm sure it can relate to people listening to this. What What is it do you think that makes people feel like they might be shamed by being themselves and they you know, might not want to be themselves? What do you think contributes to that? Cool. You've, only, you've only got an hour, haven't you, Tim? I think, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but trying to make it super practical, right, for, for your listeners and, and for our conversation. We've got to remember, and that's why I love your work so much, right, around breaking the mould, is we have been conditioned for generations to fit into a tiny box of ourselves. So it might be as HR director, yeah. might be as L&D manager, it might be as finance assistant. Those organograms, those boxes hold way more power than any of us realise when we join an organisation. They basically dictate what you are allowed to do, what you're allowed to say, how you're meant to behave, even on a yeah. micro level but we don't have that conversation. So that's where a lot of the shame comes from is that people sort of come into an organizational structure, excited, like vibrant, really wanting to make a difference. And far too often, Tim, they're very quickly reduced to an even smaller version than when they arrived. Yeah. 
and it's that people feel scared. They feel ashamed to say, actually, I can't show up fully here. I thought I was joining somewhere to be XYZ version of me, and I can't be. I feel ashamed. And that's where this shame comes in for me, is the misalignment between joining often an organization with yeah. X view and it being a very different view once you're in. Yeah, beautiful, mate. You're right. That what's on the advert or what they or the job the job advert and what's shared publicly and what gets said to at the interview. And I, I, I know from first hand I've been sold the dream at interview and you know the role is absolutely the nightmare. So and you mentioned a bit of practical so that's a good question. So if we just if we think about this as a leader, because we have to accept leaders, you know, can really help people to be unashamedly mm-hmm. themselves, particularly if the leader is doing that. So if if you were the leader of a team and you're bringing in new starters and you want them to be unashamed of themselves, you want that culture, you don't want them to be confined into boxes, you want them to break the mould, what's a conversation you would recommend leaders have with those people joining their team to help them to be their true authentic selves? So for me, a lot of it, of course, you've got the whole process, right, of recruitment, onboarding, et cetera. But for me, it's modelling that vulnerability, that curiosity, right throughout your process. So if I'm a leader working at X company, I want to be inviting those interviewees to feel like they already work with me. I don't want to feel like they've got to prove themselves. I don't want them to feel like they've got to justify themselves. I want to invite them in by saying things like, based on the experience of the last 30 minutes of this discussion, you know, how are you feeling in this moment? What are the things, what's something you would, what's something that you would say to me if we were at the pub that you don't feel safe saying to me now in this interview? You know, it's really trying to model having an adult connected conversation right up front so that people know what they're dealing with. That would be one one, one angle I would take, Tim. Yeah. I love that uh, question around what would you say to me in the pub? Because we, we all relate to that, don't we? I mean, you, you and I, are, this podcast will come out in 20, early 2023. We're recording this pre-Christmas. So uh, on a Monday... So, yeah, I wonder how many people are going into work today or on the Teams calls and thinking, oh, God, I said that to that person when I was at the free bar on Saturday night at Christmas do, and I wish I'd said that, or, you know, I wish I'd said things differently. You know, we've we've all been there, haven't we? Look, it's not just the the pub-fueled conversations that create that. It's in a team meeting. It's in the the one-to-ones. Let's... Let's try and call out a bit of the bullshit for people listening to this, because you're absolutely right when you reference the inductions, the recruitment process. It does come as a process, doesn't it? It's almost like go on the intranet, here's the recruitment form, here's the interview questions, here's the new starter form. And that can then contribute to people feeling a bit like, oh, well, as long as I tick this box and as long as I've done that, mm. I'll be all right. So let, from your experience, Gary, what... What have you seen or how could we help somebody listening to this to help them realise it's okay if you don't just fill out the form. It's okay if you get somebody in front of you at an interview or a one-to-one and you rip up the form and you just have the conversation. You just allow it to go where you need it to go from a human point of view. What what would you say to somebody listening to help them to feel more confident of that and to stop ticking the box? Yeah, well, for me, straight away, I go to a metric, right? Because every leader likes metrics. Every oh, company yes. loves metrics. <laughs> right? But, but like, what's the one that's been parroted for well over a decade now, Tim, right? One in three are fully engaged right at work. Gallup's done that for decades. Yeah. That means for every one pound in a salary spent, an organization's getting 33 pence in the pound of value. 66p is going somewhere else. 67p is going somewhere else, right? So I always yeah. like to flip it in terms of metrics and actually say, I want to come into your organization, Tim. I'm here for a reason. I find the job interesting. I think what you're about as a business is really inspiring. But I need you to know, Tim, recruiting manager, that for me to do my best work as me for you, it needs to look something like this. I need, I need yeah. to be able to be included. I need to feel part of a team that isn't siloed. I need to know that my voice matters. I need to know that I matter, right? So how can I get a sense of that, Tim, through this process with you? So that I don't yeah. waste my time or your time over the next three three interviews. Yeah, it is crazy, isn't it? Um, and I, I, why why we don't 
set those expectations. It's, it's, it is, it's bonkers, really, isn't it, if you think about it, as to we, we, we work with people all the time, yet we don't stop and set those expectations. How have you seen, when people have had those conversations, Gary, how have you seen that help them? How have you seen that really build relationships for you and the people around you? So for me personally, again, I'm going to go into being inside a, set, a setting, right? So I still work within corporate, like when we first met. Yes. Yeah, so I've been in yeah, the same yeah. job, right, for nearly 13 years. Now, I've been in this, let me, let me challenge that. I've been in the same company, but the role that I perform is okay. very, very different, right? Yes. So I'm hoping that your listeners can resonate with this a little bit, is that the job you come in to do, based on that narrow job spec, blah, 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 right? As soon as you are in the system, if you choose to join it, because it's always a choice. Yes. You do. You have the choice to what I call disrupt yourself as often as you want through that journey. So I'm an international sales manager. I always have been for the last 13 years. But my role today is markedly different, taking in organizational design, taking in learning development. I've done chartered membership with the CIPD, right? And I'm still a sales guy running a 20 million business. Yeah. Nobody told me to do that. That was me continuously breaking my own mold throughout the journey of my career. So my invitation is, part of my answer is, please, please, please remember that you have got opportunities every single day to bring an idea, to bring an innovation, to challenge a process, to connect with somebody in a different department, right? All of these things add up to the potential to generate the next idea, the next innovation, the next product. And if we, if we allow ourselves to just be the job spec and attach, importantly, Tim, our self-worth to the job, yeah. then suddenly we close down and we become a very tiny version of ourselves. Thank you, Gary. Yeah, that bit of self-worth. It's bon- Again, it's bonkers. Where, where, where do we get this vision from that, oh, everything's about my job or... You know, I mean, if I think about me, the things I used to stress out over in a job are like utterly ridiculous. <laughs> it's like you look back and you think, who gives a shit? <laughs> it's like there's no way they're going to put on my headstone. Oh, Tim was a great project manager and he delivered this on budget and he, and he achieved 95% KPI. <laughs> who cares? None of those things probably exist anymore anyway in the organisations where we didn't. Yet the self-worth piece is so fascinating isn't it it is like we attach it to the job and especially especially when we get promoted and we progress then we tend to attach even more and more of it to that so i suppose a bit a bit of your journey then really gary and and you've been really honest there that you've been in the same organization for 13 years sales manager 20 million part of the business yet you have that opportunity to influence organizational development to influence the way people work Mm -hmm. so what what is it that either changed for you to get you go to be your true authentic self, or what is it that's driven that throughout your life, your career? What is it you can see really motivates you to be your true authentic self? Yeah, it's a great thank you for the question, Tip. So it took me literally in the spirit of your work, it took me it took me realizing how much I was conforming to that mold. Okay. Right. So again, very quickly. So my first 37 years of my life was all about get the, yeah, all of us, I'm sure we all resonate with this, like get the grades, be good, don't upset anybody, conform. Like it's like literally when people talk about command and control, I don't think they really realize what we mean. We're talking about oppressive control of human beings. That is how work is set up. That's how education is set up. And it goes back 600 years. It's a colonial, like, fallout like this like this is where we've got to get yeah. real about systems now when i bring it back practically to to the podcast is age 37 tim i literally sat there in my apartment going so i've got this really big salary i've got a really decent job i've got a fantastic wife i've got everything the outside world has conditioned me through education through social media through society yeah. i had it all i had the pinnacle there's nothing to complain about and i sat there hollow completely empty and i call it spiritual bankruptcy him i felt completely and utterly hollow in my body and for some reason i got curious and i can understand where the midlife crisis comes from because my other path in that moment probably was to go down the other avenue and however destructively that would have been for me 
But for some reason, I got curious, Tim. And I got really curious about, you know, how can I feel so hollow and empty Yeah. when I've got everything the outside world has conditioned me matters. And that really started me on the next, the, the journey into L&D, OD, CIPD, et cetera. So. Yeah, I think the, the brilliant thing you're saying there is about switching it from conformity to curiosity. Mm. And it, you're right, it's, it's the education. There's always an element of upbringing because, you know, an element of parenting, you have to tell your kids something. You have to direct them. And, you know, you can't get away from that. I think it's when we go too far that way. And then suddenly we get into the workplace and we're told to behave in a particular way or we're told to do this. And I think, you know, the explosion of social media, I think, is is amplifying this for people, you know, not realising that actually the reason you stare at your phone is because there's algorithms working in the background that want to control the way you think and then make you think that this is real because, oh, by the way, they're getting billions of dollars in the background for marketing. And it's mm-hmm. fascinating, isn't it, that you say that because I know... So because I work for myself, I get asked questions even by some of my best friends, you know, where they'll kind of say like, oh, you must be doing all right working for yourself. When are you going to move out? What? (laughs) (laughs) What? Or what are you doing for your holidays this year then? I bet you bet you go into Florida or, you know, somewhere else because you're working for yourself, so you must be doing all right. You know, and it's like, it's this bizarre perception, isn't it, that... People are, like you said, we see these things as being successful or get what we want. And people align this sort of view to it and ask you questions about it. And, you know, I'm always a bit like, well, that's got nothing to do with working for myself, whether I move house, buy a car, go on holiday. What I really want to do is keep working for myself and doing the job that I love. And, you know, even my friends find that hard to understand that I do this for a passion, not not for the financial award. It's because I found something that I love doing yet. Yeah, the world tells us we should love a big house. We should love the fastest car or the most electric car these days. You know, we should love this wonderful holiday. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre, isn't it, really? And I think, I mean, the only thing I would say with that is it does enhance the power when we find, we go to curiosity. I think for me, the power is huge. Mm-hmm. Now, you you have, thank you, you've touched on this a couple of times there in terms of people fitting the mould. And you're right, you know, that, that's a term I using my work is this conformity. We fit the mold that somebody else creates for us. And the key opportunity for me is to break the mold and breaking the mold is actually going back to being your true authentic self. But just, just want to ask you, Gary, in your experience, what are the molds that you've seen others fitting into and, and why, why, why have they fitted into those particular molds that you've seen? Yeah, I, I think for me, and it's I don't I don't see a particular pattern around like molds like a particular mold. Let's put it that way. What I yeah. see is really a pa- there's really a pattern of behaviour, which is a pattern of fear, right? And fundamentally, and this has been one of my biggest learnings the last two years. Give, let me bring it to life with a real story for you, if I may, Tim. Yeah. So two years ago at work, right? Two years ago, I started posting more progressively on LinkedIn. I was writing articles, blogs, putting my podcast out that you kindly joined previously. Right. So I was really starting to find my voice as Gary. And one of the first things that happened was my line manager at the time was like, um, Gary, just to let you know, um, two of the people at headquarters in Rotterdam have noticed that you're posting at around 11 o'clock. Like, do you mind doing it before or after work? Right. Just that real life story. And I, I could see where he was coming from. But what he was doing was passing his fears down to me. Yeah. They weren't my fears. They were his fears that he was projecting onto me. So what was really beautiful is that I ignored it. I broke the mold. I'm like, I'm quite enjoying this. I'm quite liking building my presence. I'm liking meeting new people. And I'm here today talking to you a good two years plus later. And guess what? This is a really important thing I want your listeners to hear about fear and boxes. Nobody's bothered me about it since. And I'm posting as much as I've, I've posted more than I've ever posted. I'm more prolific about what I care about and what I speak about than I've ever been. Yes, there are some demographics that do face more socialized barriers. We've got to acknowledge that. We've got to do work to make sure they're included. But I want to invite your listeners. Like that, that mold of fear is the number one biggest mold. Yes. Yeah. I love that story, Gary. Thank you so much for. Share it. And you're right. You can see it from your boss's point of view. You can understand. Uh, and, and actually, I think what you've done as well is you've shared an opportunity there that that situation your uh, boss was put in there actually is one of the greatest opportunities to break the mould 
is to respond in that moment and actually ask the question, be curious, mm-hmm. rather than, yeah, okay, I'll go and tell Gary not to post it at 11 o'clock. And, you know, well done. And like I say, it's such a valuable story and an example because you're right, there's so many people that when they get told that, they then go, okay, I won't do that. And then they end up being stressed. Oh, it's, it's too hard to, to post before work because I'm doing this and it's too hard to post after work because I'm doing this. And then they end up giving up, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. What's the damage you see? Let's look at it from a, because I want to dig into leaders and teams shortly, but if we just kind of look at it on the, on the organizational level. So I talk to people a lot around your global culture, which is the entire organization and then your local culture. And we're going to dig into that local culture in a moment. Just from that global culture piece from an organization, what what damage gets done when people allow the fear to make them fit the molds? It's so significant, Tim, because what you've got, I call it, it's like a network effect, right? So there's actually something, not my language, but there's something called organizational silence. There's a lot of research behind it. Yeah. And it's shown that organizational silence is one of the most toxic, cancerous situations in organizations. If you look at your whole organization, all you've got to do is look at those people with power within the system. Yeah. If, if they do not listen to people around them, that can almost dictate how the whole rest of the organization reacts. So if you've got a senior leadership team or you've got you know a, a regional team of leaders and it is very clear to those that work there that if you bring up an idea, if you challenge the status quo, if you do anything yeah. apart from conform, that they will not listen or they will react badly, that causes the whole system to shut down. And there we're talking what for a, a thirty thousand person company, you're getting into billions in terms of lost productivity. Easily. Easily. So yeah. so that's the number one for me is that the invitation is to really look out. Like if, if we're not communicating, if we're not challenging, if we're not coming up with ideas, we don't feel safe, that's a very significant signal that you're pouring money down the yeah. drain. Yeah. Wow. I'd like to say when you put that number on it. Yeah, it's just frightening, isn't it? Yeah, that organisational silence. And I suppose it's a bit really for people listening to this is to think about how are they contributing to the silence? You know, what might they be doing to contribute to that? And that's where I want to want to bring it down to that that local culture because I think a lot of people I've worked with, and I see this in a lot of organisations, is they allow the organisational culture to impact on them very heavily. And it does. It's a real thing. Exactly like you just described, that is a real thing. Yet what happens is that becomes a frustration and they give up. Or, you know, they just feel simply like, oh, what's the point? Because this is going to happen. Or, of course, they spend lots and lots of time moaning about it. You know, <laughs> as human beings, we're really good at moaning about things. And what w- where I challenge people is to think about, well, okay, that's the organisational culture. So first of all, just take a step back and go, why do you work here? You know, and actually, if you don't answer that question for yourself, then what's going on in the organizational culture is always going to frustrate. It's always going to piss you off. And then look back at, you know, and look, this is the classic what's in your control, what's not in your control. Absolutely it is. It's then looking at that local culture and saying, well, how how do we build the authentic culture and how do we create this culture where we might have these things in our organizational culture, our global culture. Ultimately, I do most of my work in the local culture. That That's the reality. You do, I would suggest, 90% of your work in the local culture where you're based, your teams, your, <clears throat> with your leaders, with your peers. So if we think about an authenticity point of view and bringing everything into it like we've talked about already, how, how can leaders with their teams create that authentic environment? You know, Maybe like a practical step on a conversation. What, what, what can they do in their local culture so that they build that authenticity together. So I've got two two very clear ones. I've also got a story should you want it later as well. So one is allow your team to co-create the agenda. Yes. You, you get out the way. You ask your team, what do you think is most important? If we're going to come together, invest time, money, and energy around meeting, what do you think is most important as the people doing the work? And how can I be of service to you to make sure there's not stuff getting in the way while you're trying to get that work done? That's the number one overarching one for me, Tim. Yeah. 
What's the second one? You said there was two key things there. Come on, tell us the second one. The other one, and this is painful for a lot of people. Okay. Be super intentional about slowing down. Breathing. Imagine instead of running at the 80, 90, 100 miles an hour that we're all conditioned to run at, because everything's urgent, right, Tim? How about if we suddenly agreed that only two things, or maybe even one thing, to, to quote Greg McCohen's work around essentialism, if there's only one thing that we've got to work on, what would that be and why over the next week? And just try and centre ourselves as a team around what is most important and why. Because then what follows on for that is a third final invitation. Yeah. Get used to saying no with love, with grace, with discussion. But don't, but don't just keep being that yes person because you will only burn out. Yeah, great stuff, Gary. Thank you. That'll be so helpful for people listening to this. And I think the two are quite interrelated, aren't they? Because, you know, that element of allowing your team to co-create, you know, it, it's fascinating, isn't it, that a lot of the leaders who are very stressed and can't slow down and, you know, tell it, as soon as you say to them, how are you? I'm really busy, I'm really busy, I'm really busy, and I've got this meeting, I've got that meeting, I've got... A lot of that is because, like you said, they're not allowing their teams to co-create it. And I, I, I really, really am a fan of that word you've used there, co-creating the agenda, and then asking them, how can I help you? How can I be a service? And then, yeah, that second part is a lovely bit around the individuals, isn't it? And I think that's the, you were talking about this before about modeling the behavior. You know, imagine a leader who tells their team, well, I'm slowing down and actually I'm saying no to this. And, you know, there's also a bit where, again, we have to call out the bullshit that if people looked at their calendars, there'd be a lot of time they could get back quite easily. They could say no to certain things and, you know, maybe turning on their awareness to go, I'm being asked to work on this project. I know it's not going to lead anywhere. I know I can't add value to it. So instead of, rubbing my own ego and going, I'm on this project, look at me, I'm being asked to do this, isn't this wonderful? Actually stopping and going, all right, what's the purpose and what do you need from me? So get, tell us the story that you're going to say to align those two, because I think it'll really help the listeners. Oh, no, sure. So again, same company, same place I've been working the last 13 years. So one of the benefits of breaking, I'm, I'm using your language here, it's not intentional listeners, I can't thank help you, it. I, 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 I love Tim's work. <laughs> um, <laughs> But again, one of those breaking the mold moments, that personal disruption for me I spoke about earlier around diving into HR, OD, et cetera. The beautiful thing is, it's very rare for a leader to say no to something that's gone well. First point, I just want to put that out there, right? So if you yeah. run, so my invitation is to run experiments without asking permission. So it could be a tiny little process change. It could be quite a big structural change within your team because I love your point. It's so important. Your agency, your freedom to act locally in your immediate context, in your immediate team, yeah. is way, 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 way higher and far more powerful than most people realize, point number one. Now, what we did in terms of a story, between 2015 and 2018, we used to run our meetings in the old traditional way, death by PowerPoint, 90% about metrics. Are we going to grow here? Are we going to grow there? Bear in mind, we're a sales team, right? So have we got that? Have we acquired this? Have we bought this? Have we bought that? Yeah. All very well-meaning, team, Tim, right? All very well-meaning, but totally pointless and a total waste of time. Because you and I know, and every list, everyone on this podcast knows, the metrics are a result of doing the connectivity and the work and the cultural stuff brilliantly. You will not reach that outcome by focusing on it alone. It makes no sense. So what yeah. we did between 2015, 2018, we completely shifted our team culture of 15 salespeople. We co-created a set of team values. We co-created how we came together around the meetings agenda. We introduced, because what I was training in, right? As I was breaking my mold, I was helping the team break their mold collectively. So we, so literally I was like the, like the icebreaker on the front end, doing what other people thought about but didn't have the courage to do. And then they came behind that as we co-created the next steps. Here's the, here's the kicker. We added 6 million in sales and 1.5 million in margin over that three-year period. Nothing else had changed on the macro environment. Same suppliers, same customers, same people, Tim. And we added all of that extra value through the, just because of how we slowed down, breathed, co-created, right? So I'm hoping bringing this story to life is helpful because like, this isn't yes. just theory. Like This has added massive value in our business. Yeah. How, how much of that, Gary, can you see, particularly co-creating the values and everything else you talked about there, how much of that can you see came back to 
you know, actually just having those conversations, being honest with each other, starting to see a different side of that other person who who is supposed to be on the same team yet can become very competitive without those co-creation piece. How much of that can you see? Just for almost forgetting what they said verbatim and forgetting what the values of the babies are, just that experience of having that really authentic conversation, how much did that help and contribute to what you changed? It's all of it. Yeah, it's all of it because the the thing is, as soon if you're creating the conditions that allow those conversations to happen, right? Yeah, everything flows. Like you deal with barriers head on together, you deal with opportunities head on together. You imagine beyond your, you know, you start imagining way beyond what you could do on your own, right? Because you've got that collective intelligence kicking in. It's like, oh, well, I thought about this, Tim. Yeah, but I'm not sure about that bit because of this, this, and this. But like, what about that? Like, you start to have that really beautiful flowing organic co-creative energy right you, yeah. you you can't not have it tim it's nature it's natural <laughs> right you've got we've got to remember that the conditioning the mold is a totally fabricated fake scenario yeah it's completely unnatural to be commanded and controlled it's a totally yeah. totally unnatural state <laughs> so what you're doing what we're talking about here is trying to remember remember who and what we are yeah, I can listen to you talk about that all day, Gary. And, you know, I can imagine you in that room, mate, and your passion coming across and your bravery, you know, you showing your vulnerability. And you're right, it, it is that conversation. And it, and it, this is the fascinating thing, isn't it, about people, that what, what you're talking about is what we need to do as a human being. We Literally, intrinsically, we need those open conversations. You know, if, you know, if I think about some of the things that... Uh, my wife has said to me, maybe I should do an episode with my wife where she just literally tells the world, yeah, this is what I say to this knobhead. Um, but if I think about some of the things my wife has said to me over the ta- over the years and my best mates, you know, who have looked me in the eye and said in, in various different ways, that's not good enough. That's not you. I won't accept that from you. And that's upset me. That's offended me. Actually, you know, all these things that we say to each other, that strengthens the relationship. Yet in the workplace, again, like you talked about, the, the conditioning, the, the desire to conform, it's, it is like we do the complete opposite, isn't it? So just on that, because I love as well your example, it's never too late. It's never too late to have those conversations. You know, sometimes that's the excuse for people, isn't it? Oh, well, I can't do that. Unless I get rid of my whole, all of my team, I can't do that. You know, actually, I, I, I've worked with Bob for this many years. And the reality is it's never, ever too late. Mm-hmm. So for somebody listening to this, Gary, who's thinking they need a bit of that, they need the co-creation, what what would might be the first step you'd suggest for them to just suggest it to their team, to just start a conversation around, you know, understanding our values and building that better environment? What might be the first step you'd encourage somebody to take? The first most meaningful step of change is literally do some one-to-ones with your colleagues in the team. Like literally go to lunch with them, go and ask them what they care about, ask them why they work at the company, ask them what's changed in the time they've been here that they like and what they don't like, like build proper. And this is going to, this is going to be the freaky bit, Tim. (laughs) Deep, not surface level, build deep relationships with people that are founded on trust, curiosity, vulnerability, all stuff is humility, care, listening, everything that we get socialized to believe is soft which really yeah. pees me off. Yes. Why do we call them soft? Because they're so bloody hard and the people that have got power and control don't like the fact that they're so difficult to master. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nailed it, I think. And that'll help so many people listening to this because it is, oh, it's soft. It's pink and fluffy is normally the crap that gets thrown out, isn't it? And you're right. <laughs> So much of that comes from fear, mm-hmm. comes from somebody looking at, oh, well, if we stop talking about numbers and they stop telling them what to do, then I'll be the one who looks like I don't know what I'm doing, so I'll shut down on that and we'll just focus over here. Yeah, it's, again, it's the the comfort zone of our heart and mind, isn't it, saying don't take a risk, stay safe, stay in control. You know, it's it's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? And So, do you know, I'll, I'll let you into a secret, actually, and I guess the people listening to this is, when I do exactly what we're talking about now, when I do team coaching and we have those conversations and we get some difficult things out there and always looking at building trust, I often 
leave those sessions driving home or you know the train home or for a couple of days after or even for you know the, the month or six weeks before I see him again and and kind of like beat yourself up and I worry about oh god I've broken him because we had this emotional conversation and they said that and they said that and you know it gives you that big self-doubt of I'm not good enough and I shouldn't have done that and I shouldn't have done that and it's fascinating you know because even though I do this often I still have those feelings yet the beautiful thing is you go back a month or six weeks later and it's like you've walked into a room where they switch the light on and, and you can just see the difference in them, you know, and they, and they start thanking me. And I'm thinking, all I did was like ask you a few questions and listen to you and challenge you a little bit. And I've been shitting myself for the last month thinking, <laughs> thinking you don't like me and I've broken you. Yeah, it is just that power of that conversation. Is it exactly what you talked about there? The first step of change is having those one-to-one conversations and just actually engaging with people on those deeper relationship levels. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me ask you about something then, because the, there's something I guess I want to help people from a point of view in this podcast is to how they can stop themselves being something. So it, it is the term dickhead. So yes, I'm known for using the term dickhead. And, and, and every single episode, I'm going to repeat what I mean by that because this is not a judgmental mm. description. I use that term when you've worked with people and and you, through your relationship, through your positive attempts, actually what, what you can recognise about that person is that their behaviour is irritating, they lack integrity and they lack in self-awareness. For me, that's the dickhead. I'm not writing those people off. That's the term I would use. And the reason I go to great lengths to explain that is because many cultures now have this don't be a dick or you know, don't be a dickhead. I think the All Blacks are probably the most famous example. Yet we don't actually say, what does that mean? Because actually, dickhead can mean different things to different people. And to me, it's about the ones who don't have integrity, who behaviours irritate others, and they lack self-awareness. So what, what's your advice, Gary, to people listening to this, to what they can do to stop themselves from being a dickhead? We've all been a dickhead at some point in our time, right? I know I have been. So yes. I think that's the first point, is to acknowledge, is to acknowledge when in your life have you shown up as a dickhead? Yeah. And remember, or again, reflect on what were the conditions? How did you feel? What were you afraid of? What were you thinking about? So that would be first point number one, is that really getting your body around, when have you been a dickhead? Right? Point number one. Point number two then would be over-index. And I'm coming back to a topic we just discussed. Over-index on the, I call them humanistic skills. Over-index on listening over-index on empathy, over-index on vulnerability. And what I mean by over-index is be so intentional about developing those parts of your psyche, right? That yeah. every, everything else follows that. Again, it's, it's counter-cultural, right? Because we've been conditioned. But if we're going to make healthier, healing, connected workplaces that thrive for everybody, we need to come at it that lens. Like we're literally, what you're doing, what we're talking about is a full paradigm shift. And it will happen with every single one of us showing up differently. So summary, understand when you've been a dickhead yourself based on your description. Yeah. Yeah. And over-index on the humanity side of your psyche. Get help with it. Talk to people about it. Because the technical, practical skill stuff, we can all be trained in that. You can, of course, be trained in emotional intelligence to some extent. but But it's more remembering for me. The humanistic bit, it's innate. We've all got it. We've always had it. It's just been layered up with crusty, horrible judgments and fears and anxieties and oppression and all this sort of stuff, right? So, so it's, it's those two things together. Reflect and remember would be my summary. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I was probably behaving like a dickhead a, a lot of the time for probably the first 10 or 15 years of my career, <laughs> especially when I became a... A leader at 21, you know, how do you know not to be a dickhead at that age unless somebody's helping you with it? So that is so invaluable. You're right. Oh, accept it, own it. And I think what you said is really important, Gary, for people is when you do recognize that your behaviors have gone that way, like you say, reflect on what were the conditions, what was happening in work, in life, who were the people who were influencing me at that time what were the emotions what the stress maybe that I was under what did I not know God I'm turning into bloody Rod Stewart now but what did I not know then that I know now (laughs) whatever that lyric is and then yeah like you say and then remembering that 
And I, I really love your term, over-index. You know, I, I think this ability that you've unearthed people, like, you're right, everybody has the ability to do it because they are human abilities. Yeah, there are there are coaching, there's training, there's, you know, books, et cetera, et cetera, that will help you to embellish that. You're right, it's going back to saying, actually, what can I do to help to change my behaviours? And, you know, it comes back to listening, the empathy, going back to choosing those human elements that we want from others, isn't it? I think that's mm. the, the great thing that you demonstrate. It's remembering that's what I want from other people. Actually, how do I demonstrate that to them? Mm. Beautiful stuff, Gary. So um, let me ask you a question then. And, and for people who know me well, and you'll know this, this is a term that uh, I use a lot because I truly believe in it. So I'm interested in what you think of this. So let me ask you, why must it always start with you? <laughs> Well, to be honest, when I saw your book first come out, I was like, you buggy, you beat me to it. (laughs) The reason I say that half-jokingly, Tim, is I was halfway through writing a book called Change is an Inside Job. Yeah, love Uh, it. And it might come back again, it may not. But the point is, my equivalent hashtag to yours is hashtag Change is an Inside Job. So So it's... The reason I believe so vehemently in it, and I hope it's come through in our conversation today, is the outside world will not change anywhere near the way that you would like it to if you do not do the inner work. Like, it is absolutely, I cannot state this hard and fast and loud enough. No amount of technical external solutions will solve inner pain, inner trauma, inner problems, inner loss, lossness, right? Inner hurt. Inner excitement even, right? Like if, if, yeah. if we're not, so I like to talk of it around connecting head and heart, Tim, how I like to talk about this. And again, we've been conditioned to live above our neck, right? Forever. <laughs> yeah. And what we're talking about now is saying, actually, the value for us as humans, as teams, as organizations, and as a world is to remember the connection between head and heart, to reconnect yeah. it. So I talk a lot, again, about reconnection. So for me, it always starts with you because you cannot reconnect yourself to yourself without starting with you. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to finish that book, Gary. Well, it might cut. My wife keeps telling me that as well. (laughs) 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 It it, it, it might come back. To be honest with you, mate, I ended up, I actually done 32 interviews for it. So I got a, yeah, I had CEOs in there, coaches, like there's been yeah. a, there's been about 15,000 words done, but it just didn't feel right for me yeah. to, to do it. And I think, yeah, maybe this conversation's part of that universal timing to give me a nudge. Who knows? Yeah. Do you know what, though? You, you again, role modeling what you're talking about, aren't you? That, you know, it, it'd be very, very easy to somebody say, well, I've interviewed all these people. I've got a great idea for a book. I'll put it out there. Look at me. I've written a book. And actually what you're saying is, well, no, I know it'll help people. I want to get it out there. I want to do it in a way that, sits right with me mm-hmm. you know and i think that's the huge huge thing that you're role modeling there is again that integrity piece and you know you're right changes inside job we see it a lot don't we i mean we know that humans you know it's a bit of like the cross isn't it like change is a bad thing and you know i, I think you're right it's that bit of instead, of instead of talking about the change curve with everybody and all on all the same things that we trot out all the time <laughs> you're right it, it's it's Looking at how do we do that as an inside job, you know, maybe for leaders listening to this who are approaching change, actually, instead of just telling people there's a change, engage with your teams and ask them, you know, what what do you need to do to make this change work? And actually, how could this change help you? And again, the, the classic, what's in our control, what's outside of our control? Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that, Gary. So a uh, couple of quick fire questions, because I love people. These are two passions of mine, so yes, it's a little bit self-indulgent, but hey, uh, surely there's nothing wrong with encouraging the world to read more books and listen to more music. Uh, And then there's a final question that I want to ask you. So uh, apart from yours that's going to get published in the coming years, (laughs) uh, what is a book that everyone must read? Well, apart from Break the Mold, of course, I'm on the Break the Mold podcast. Um, (laughs) There are way too many, but I'm going to distill it into one, which is critical, I believe. It's called Onlyness by Nilifer Merchant. Okay. And I'm going to be really naughty because this is breaking the mold, right? And it's completely off. It's not off topic. There's a second one called Hospicing 
modernity, which is a very different systemic lens. But those two yeah. books together, and I can't, rem- I can't remember the full... Oh, here we go. I've got the author's name here very quickly, Tim. So it's actually Vanessa Mercado de Oliveira. She's from Brazil. That's Hospice in Modernity and Nilifer Merchant Oliness. Those two books are not, they are so different yet so connected. And it's all about how do we embody the change we want to see in the world and how do we even understand what's actually going on in the world beyond our Western conditioning. So yeah. that's really, that's how those two come up. Yeah. The little trouble we do with this podcast when I'm asking people for books it's just going to cost me a load of money, this, isn't it? Because already I'm thinking, the first thing I'll do when we finish is getting those two books off it. Do you know what, though? Thank you for that. Because, again, one of, the benef- one of the reasons or one of the benefits I hope these questions do is, is to open people's minds to, you know, actually it's not always about the, the books that might be considered to be a bit of a toolkit. Mm. Um, actually, there's, there's much more... Uh, choice out there that can really help that. And I love that in terms of making a change in the world. Again, it comes back to a lot about we talked about, isn't it, in terms of focusing on, oh, this is the change you want. So focus on that. Uh, so uh, definitely a bit of self-indulgent now. Uh, what is an album or song that everyone must listen to and what does it mean to you? This, this is going to be so left field for your listeners and for you because everyone knows you're such a mod, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm the trance head. I'm still the dancer. I'm okay. Still, I, I'm still the raver. I've not. I've. I don't go out cl- clubbing as much now, Tim. But it's still inside me. I can't help it. So, <laughs> I can't give you an album. But what I'm going to give you is a DJ. Okay. Lovely. And it's, a, and it's a DJ called Giuseppe Ottiovani. And I can drop you a little note separately if you're interested. But basically, but basically. Yeah, again, it's left field, right? Like, this is my passion. I've literally been in the gym today, dancing around like a loon as I've been doing my workout today to trance music. Like, it's what lifts me up. It's what makes me feel alive. It's what makes me feel connected to myself the most. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that's that's my answer. Again, typical break in the mold, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, so, so you're right. Me, me as a mod, yeah, I'm going, oh, I've never heard of that trance yeah. DJ before. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's what this is all about. It is about, and somebody will go and follow that DJ. They'll they'll find that out. So brilliant stuff. And you know, again, something I encourage teams to do is is come up with a team playlist. You know, so one of the things I want to do with a podcast is here's a playlist, and you know, I think it's such a great thing to do because even just sharing that with each other in your teams can make people go, "Oh, I didn't know that about you." Brilliant. You know, and, and can Brilliant. make people go, oh, well, well, I like going clubbing. The Gary does, so I can have a different conversation now. So, yeah, just unearth those Brilliant. things, doesn't it? Rather than just assuming everybody likes Ed Sheeran or everybody likes something that's on the radio, actually, what's your passion? What, what's your real interest? Love okay. It. So, final thing to ask you then, Gary, and, and, and this this question, it is intended to work this way, or you might come with something completely different. You know, and it, It's kind of summarised everything we talked about today into something tangible and it is almost literally creating that element of the the people listening to this of going off in terms of the rest of their day or tomorrow or this afternoon whatever time of the day listen to thinking yeah that's something i can do today so what's what's one thing that our audience can do today to be their true authentic selves one thing you do today go for a walk on your own Give yourself permission to take 20 minutes walk on your own and literally just enjoy being in your own presence. And listen out as you go on that 20-minute walk for any judgments that might pop up or you should have done that today or you should have done this or why didn't you get that done? And just start to build a relationship with your self-talk. It won't always be negative, but just start to picture and listen to what those stories might be when you get present to yourself. Just go for a wonder. And that would be my invitation because that is a massive gateway. It models vulnerability, it models curiosity, it models listening. And it's the thing that most people don't think about when we think about listening. They think yeah. about listening to someone else. They don't think about listening to themselves. Yeah. I'm already thinking now that that's exactly what I'm going to do when we finish this. Yeah. 
Yeah, what a beautiful thing to finish on. You're right, listening to others is clearly one of the most valuable things, yet actually it's turning it back to ourselves and saying, just listen to ourselves. I love the way what you shared there, Gary, that piece around listen for some of the judgments or listen for that nagging thought going, you should have done this today, you should have done that. And that's that's all right, isn't it? It's okay to think like that. It's all right to feel like that. It's remembering you choose how you respond to it. I love it. And can I just offer one final little insight, if I may? Yes, just because this was massively transformational for me. For anyone listening, if you've got this far, remember your emotions are data points as to how you're feeling in the moment. They are not causal. They will not stay around forever. Just remember they're data points. And they, they can be as, let go as easy as anything. Brilliant. Yeah. We do forget that, don't we? Especially when it's more intense emotion. You're right. Mm-hmm. They pass and yeah, the more we like you're exactly like you're saying, Gary, go on. Do you know, I didn't say first that I love that he said, give yourself permission to listen to you. <laughs> it's, it's like we just or oh, somebody has to tell me to do that. Somebody has to give me permission. And actually, I suppose there's a nice thing there, actually, bringing it back to we, we've talked a lot around leaders and teams there. That that's you know a good point to finish on in terms of helping people to role model. Actually, if, if the leader in particular or the team say those things that we know people need permission for, even though they don't need permission for, they tell themselves, the reality is if we talk about that and the leader says, well, actually, no, I'm not available for that lunchtime meeting because that's when I go for a 20-minute walk or actually, no, I'm not coming at 8 o'clock in the morning because that's when I'm doing my mindfulness or no, I ain't going at 5 because then I don't go until 6 and actually I want a bit of time to myself. It's just, just those little things, isn't it, that what you're really doing is giving people permission to do the things that we know helps them. So beautiful. Like, I don't want to take any more of your time, but you're triggering me into a, another thought, <laughs> which is beautiful, right? Cause the, the, what we're doing here, I just want people to witness. Like, yeah. Tim was about to wrap up. He's been very gracious in allowing us to continue. So you've been agile, you've been flexible. Yeah. And now there's suddenly this extra energy of like, wow, yeah, that, we're, we're interplaying and we're building, we're co-creating this dialogue. Yeah. I just wanted to capture that for people. This is what happens when you're not getting in the way of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, mate, it's a lot better than the way most people are meetings. Any other business? (laughs) It's even got an AOB sign on the bottom, hasn't it? Like it's actually on the, it's got, it's got on the PowerPoint. AOB. It's just like, oh, yes, yes, yes. So yeah, and the reason I said that is because what you said, yeah, so that's a nice way to challenge people is, yeah, think about how you turn those meetings or conversations into a dialogue, yeah. not a, I'm just going to tell you this, I'm just going to tell you that, and, yeah, bring those emotions out because that's how how people can then actually choose positive action, isn't it? Beautiful, mate. Gary, you have been an absolute superstar. This will be so, so useful for everybody out there. Uh, so uh, for everybody listening make sure you connect with Gary on LinkedIn make sure you follow him uh, he won't be sharing at 11 o'clock but <laughs> <laughs> or rather he will share at 11 o'clock every day but yeah if you've not already connected with Gary or followed him make sure that you follow him on LinkedIn uh, right nearly time for me to press the stop recording button Gary so thank you so much mate it's been an absolute pleasure lovely thanks for having me on Tim and uh, good luck all of your listeners go 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 get playful go and go and play with all this stuff that's the point as well right yeah yeah you're right you listen to it go and do something with it you're absolutely right awesome Gary keep smiling my mate keep being you thank you Hello again. I think it's fair that the first thing I say to you after listening to that interview with Gary Turner is, I told you how good he is. If if you haven't been inspired, if you haven't thought to yourself, wow, I've never thought about that before, and you haven't really started to think about how you can start to change your attitudes and behaviours, then you haven't been listening. So go back and listen to it again. If you, if you haven't had any wow moments or light bulb moments listening to Gary, or you couldn't relate, to the stories he shared and haven't started to already challenge yourself about how you can create that environment for you and those around you and how you can give yourself permission to just be unashamedly you. Now I'm going to share some coaching questions. So there's four coaching questions I'm going to ask you 
uh, to finish this podcast with. Uh, as always, there'll be plenty more on the summary sheet, so I'll give you details of that before we finish. Before we do that, I just want to, I guess, pick up on a couple of points, really, from Gary's interview there. And I think one of the key things is that he talks about, about role modelling, that vulnerability and curiosity. So just start to think about what are your opportunities in your role with your team, with your family, with your friends even, but how you can actually share some of the things that you're vulnerable about and how you can really start to bring that curiosity out in your environment. Um, there's a couple of things I'm going to point out here, but before I do that, I'm going to actually congratulate you on doing this already, because if you've listened to the full interview and you've taken time out to truly listen to it, maybe it's accompanied you on a journey or some exercise that you're doing, well done, because you've already started to do what Gary encourages us to do in terms of really being super intentional about slowing down, taking the time. Remember, it's our time, and that's what you've done by listening to this podcast. And also, and I think this is so important now with the bloody Teams calls that everybody's on and the constant meetings, the constant thinking about, am I working from home today? Am I going in the office? What can I do? What can't I do? Remembering that not everything is urgent asking yourself what you really want and why and that's a great thing to do today or tomorrow whenever your next chance is working with people to listen to this podcast really asking yourself what you want to get out of each meeting and why you want to get that and you know resisting that urge to jump on your emails and respond to those really quickly actually just stopping and remembering not everything is urgent the reality is for most of us the vast majority of us do jobs where very little is actually urgent um, there's a really important point that Gary talks about in terms of building deep relationships with people founded on trust. I just think for me that sums Gary up because you think about his job, you think about the environment, his competitive international sales environment. He stripped it right back and said, rather than building relationships on what I can get out of it and me winning as a salesperson, actually build those relationships founded on trust. So just think about your key relationships. How are you actually talking about trust with people? What are you doing to build that trust with one another? I think it's fair for me to repeat uh, what Gary said about after you finish listening to this podcast, go for a walk, just enjoy being your own person. And that message he said about allowing people to co-create the agenda and thinking about who you need to ask how you can be a ser of service to them. Who are the people that you need to go and ask, how can I be of service to you? Right, time for me to ask you these coaching questions based on Gary's interview. So I'm going to ask you four. There are lots more on the summary sheet. So remember to go and download the summary sheet from italwaysstartswithyou.com. Or if you've already subscribed, you'll have an email in your inbox on the same day that this episode came out. You can download the summary sheet that gives you some key messages from Gary's interviews and lots more coaching questions for you to think about in terms of what you're going to do as a result of listening to Gary's interview. So the first question I want you to ask, ask you and for you to think about is what boxes are you being conditioned to fit in? I love that Gary intentionally uses that language around that in terms of getting us to think about the boxes that we're being conditioned to fit into. So just spend a little bit of time, maybe over the next week, reflecting on the conversations that you're having, reflect on how people are behaving around you, what are maybe some of the cultural habits that you can pick up on, and then dig into that to think about what are the boxes that you and, and others around you are being conditioned to fit into. You could also do that in wider society as well. I mean, look, spend half an hour scrolling through your social media and you'll soon start to see the kind of conditioning that's going on for people around you. So think about what are the boxes that you are being conditioned to fit into. I uh, want to ask you a question about the C word that Gary used a lot, which is really important, and that's how can you switch from conformity to curiosity? So stop conforming to what other people are doing. You know, stop going into the same meetings and doing the same thing over and over. What is it you need to do to switch that to curiosity? Everybody has the ability to be curious. It's about open asking questions. It's about taking time to reflect and ask your own, uh, sorry, asking yourself some questions about what's really happened there, what's really important to you, and really think about how you can make that switch from conformity to curiosity. Uh, something that Gary talks about is a big uh, favourite thing of mine. I do this with some coaching clients and teams and getting them to create their stop doing list. So the question linked to what Gary talks about is, and this is definitely encouraging, to get a piece of paper out, use your phone, your laptop, to make some notes about this. What do you need to say no to? So maybe get your calendar out and actually look at what's in your calendar, what time's in there, both 
your work and personal life commitments and go through it and decide what it is that you need to say no to, to really help you to be your true authentic self. Uh, and finally, uh, and like I will do on most episodes, this final question, I'm just going to put it out there for you to think about. I think this is really, really important because this makes us listen to ourselves and makes us remember that some of the judgments, which is the word in this question, can be negative. What Gary's doing is making you stop and flip that and actually think about the positive judgments that you have about yourself, remembering that. So the question to ask you about this is what judgments do you need to like and appreciate about yourself? So enjoy uh, working through those questions. Uh, let me know what, what your thoughts are around those questions. You know, Drop me an email. Let me know how this has helped you. Let me know what kind of action, what kind of change it's really driving you towards. I really hope you've enjoyed that interview with Gary. He's, he's a really, uh, I'm going to be honest, he's a special person for me. Uh, I got introduced him a few years back and he's always been there for me. He's always helped people. You know, he really is somebody who goes above and beyond. He does his day job. And, but connect with Gary, follow him on LinkedIn, because he also runs some LinkedIn live events that you could join. And he also runs some in-person events uh, at least once a year where he gets other leaders together and gives people a chance to talk about how they can really be that change catalyst. So enjoy being connected with Gary and following him. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. There's bloody millions of podcasts out there. So for everyone who's listened to this, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. And look, as always, the most important question to think about as we end is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do as a result of listening to this podcast? As always, remember to subscribe. So go to my website, enthusecoaching.com. Subscribe there and you'll get an email every time a new episode comes out. And also every time those summary sheets are released and lots more resources that come with that as well right enjoy the rest of your day tomorrow whatever it is that you're doing whenever you're listening to this remember that it always starts with you keep smiling keep being you thank you for listening